Praise God. Genesis 1, 28, 30 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Okay. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Verse 2, Genesis 2, 24, he says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. May blessing be to reading and hearing the word of the Lord. You may rest in his presence today. Today we're going to talk to you on the topic of God's design. God's design. <coughs> The big idea is God has a design for our lives. He has scripted and created a design for our lives some thousands of years ago. Did you see recently they found, uh, they saw a whale that was, I think it was 28 feet, it was massive. Well, they don't see very much. The whale that really swims down, no, well, oh, a shark. A shark that was bigger than a submarine, that's what they said. Shark bigger than a submarine. That's a big shark. And they had a name for the shark because it has six gills. You don't see it very often, but it swims in the deep of the water. Deep of the water. But it comes up about, they said, a few hundred feet during the, in the day. And it goes back down several hundred feet deep in the water. And it was massive. And I'm like thinking, man, God is something else, right? We don't even know of all that he has created. We have no idea. And they say many sharks we don't even know about, don't see, because they are so deep in the water, they don't even come up. And so those who see them are those who go so far, but man can only go so far in the water. And then there's several hundred feet more down, if not miles, in the water. But God put all this together, and it works. Which is crazy, right? I remember I was golfing. I, told story, I was golfing for my birthday, and I decided. And, and there's crocodiles in this place, this event. There's crocodiles, and I saw one. I like to see it. Well, last year was a big one. It was a big one, but I stayed away from him. So I saw one, and he didn't look so big. So I went up to him, mm -hmm. and I was taking pictures and video, talking to him, and everything like that. And he wasn't moving. He was kicking it, you know. Because I'm, I'm a Genesis dude. I believe that. Uh, God gave us authority over the animals, right? And so I, I, I'm cool with that. So I'm, And I'm up here, hey, you know. And so he didn't move, so I got a video. I'll show it to you one day. And then I went and I, I started to hit. But he was right in front of me, right, right where Tasha is. And I decided to hit my, you know. And as soon as I put the club back and went and made contact, 
that sucker jumped. And I, I did one swoop run at the same time. Because, see, I, 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 you know, God's design is that I have authority over that crocodile. But fear stepped in, and I lost all authority. If I ever had it, but I lost all authority. And so all the golfers, they drove down from the other hole to come laugh at me because it was just so hilarious. But I was going to get my, I was getting out of there. I was, I was getting out of there. But God has designed something for all of us. He's put us into what we should originally be. And in this design, oh, there it is. In this design, he's made it so that all believers are called to be like faithful witnesses to places we all work, live, and play. And so we're going to spend today talking about having these conversations that we should be having in the workplace. Get the video ready. You guys ready? Video ready? So let's get to watch this video. It's a short one. And let's get back into these Our conversations. God has a design, a way things should be done. As humanity, you know, you and me, we have chosen sin and have departed God's design. But God, in his goodness and grace, has made a way for us to be made right, to be made whole. He has sent us good news, the gospel. We then begin this incredible pursuit of Jesus, where he takes us as broken sinners and turns us into bold men and women willing to live our life on a mission. So let's begin this journey together now of what it looks like to take everyday conversations and turn them into gospel conversations. Conversations. Gospel conversations. We talked about last month, who's your one? And that was one person to have one time that you pray for them for the course of a month, that you do lunch with them, that you call them, that you spend some time with them. But now it's time to have some conversations about the, our Lord and Savior Jesus, and just about life in general. Imagine this, imagine this, imagine this. There's about 50,000 people who live in Steel Creek, roughly, about 50,000 people. Let's do some math. If there's 50,000 people, how is one person going to reach all those people? There's 10 pastors in a city of one million. How, how are those 10 pastors going to reach those millions of people? We need about 10,000 believers reaching five people to reach 100,000 people. That's, again, I mean, we need, we need, everyone in the game, we need 10,000 believers reaching five people to reach 100,000 believers. Or 100,000 people believers reaching 10 people to reach that number. So if we had 10 people reaching 5,000 people, we can get to 50,000 people here in Silk Creek. 10 people. That's good math, right? 10 times 5? That's amazing. I did go to school. But that's, that's kind of hard to do. 10 people to reach 5,000. But if you had 20 people, whatever number that is. But if you had 100 people reaching 500 people, I think it was 50,000? I think it was 50,000. So, so we grow our numbers, 100 people to reach 50 people, 500 people, we get those 50,000 people. But what if all of us, connect, what if we connected with three or four of the churches who are out identifying that they want to reach people too for the Lord? 
So now we have a collective army of people going out and reaching the lost, or reaching or touching people that know that Jesus lives. But see, we can't do it alone. What I'm saying is it takes all of us to be in the game. We all have a responsibility to go back and create, let people know who Jesus is in our own lives. How he came, he changed things around for our own situations. How he spoke in desperate and deep, deep, dark times in our own lives. It's our responsibility. It really is. You know, we, we talked for the last month about there's three levels of being a believer. The first level of being a believer is being a Christian. That's the first level. That's really just saying, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And with all my heart, I confess with my mouth that he is Lord. You saved. Uh, was it last week? Was it last week? Yes, last week. We had two people get baptized last week, which was amazing. It was amazing. That's our fourth or fifth baptism service. That's amazing. So they're sealed. That's a ceiling. They've been lifted up, and now they're alive with the love of the Lord. They confessed. That's just the first level. The second level is we're called to be disciples. Here in Matthew's 20th chapter, 19 to 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the ages. We're called to make disciples of all nations, of all people. That's step two. So, Step one is to be a Christian. Step two, a believer, is to be a disciple. Step three is a true disciple. It says a true disciple bears much fruit. That is somebody who goes out and makes disciples. They have fruit. They, they lead people to Christ. They, they lead people to becoming saved. That's a true disciple. Those are three levels. We don't want to just be Christians. We just don't want to be just a disciple. We need to be people who want to make disciples to expand God's kingdom. We want to get to heaven and him say, Woo! Look at all those who came along with Barrett, with Jonathan, with Marlon. I mean, it's exciting, right? You want to be that one that gets the bigger house on the block. But you also want to have that feeling here on earth as well. There's something about blessing somebody while you're yet here on earth when you can see the joy and the smile when they when you see them they say thank you. That alone, that great that's appreciation that you know it, it it's valuable. It's invaluable. You can't put a price on it. Seeing how you may change that life because that one person we studied last week, if it was not for Andrew, there would be no Peter. And what's big about Peter? Peter was the one that Jesus said, upon this rock I build my church. Peter was the first pope. Peter was the first one to establish churches for the expansion of God's kingdom. Peter was that one. Peter was the one that everybody knows about Peter who denied Jesus three times. Everybody knows that story. Everybody knows how he was restored again by Jesus, that Jesus had to do because it was Peter who was the foundation for expanding Christianity throughout the world to, until today. But they had, if it had not been for Andrew, his brother, who said, I heard about this guy named Jesus and brought him to Jesus, brought him to be saved by Jesus, brought Peter to be saved by Jesus. If it wasn't for Andrew, there'd be no church. You are that Andrew. 
You are the one that God is depending upon to establish his kingdom here on earth. Some of you guys will write books. Some of you will have businesses. Some of your names will be legacy. We'll have a legacy behind it. People will say your name after you're gone. But some of us, that won't be the case. But if there's somebody who you can bring to the Lord, your life is expanded. Your name is expanded under God's eyes even more because of what that person may do. You may be that missing piece that leads to saving souls. You could be that Andrew or you could be that Peter. So God has a design. Here's his design. This design was found in Genesis, the first chapter, and he established it. He spent those seven days, six days of working, and seven days he rested on the seventh day he rested. He 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 expanded his territory. He created man to be in his image. He created man to be just like him, a mini me. What was that? Goldfinger? Mini me? Who was mini me? No, no, that was uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. <laughs> He wanted us to be similar to him in his image, his spiritual image. To be creators, to be those who care, those who love endlessly. Those who look past our faults, who smile upon us, even when we are wrong against somebody else. He wanted us to be, like that was his design, for us to be more like him, to, to really have authority over crocodiles. That's what he wanted us to have. So I can speak. Go, fish. Come play with me. I was supposed to have authority over that crocodile. But somehow, some way, we were separated from that walk. See, Adam and Eve were put into a garden, told not to go over to that tree. They were gods. They were mighty. There was nothing. They were not unlimited what they could do. And then there was a falling. God being frustrated. He wiped out all the world with a flood and started over again to try to get it right. And it was Noah. Who even was a drunken man? He wasn't even perfect, but he was down. God used him in his broken state. God designed again. But man, as we are known to do, we fell again. We fell again and then he sent his son, Jesus, but we fell because of sin. Adam fell because of sin, disobeyed God. We've been falling from sin because of sin, being disconnected from God, being disconnected from his design that he had for us. From the beginning of time, he designed us to be like him, but then sin entered in. And many of us right now, we come to church and we look good on Sunday morning. You look good. All of y'all look good on Sunday morning. You look good. But then you walk right back out, and then that habit you have that continues to separate you from the love of God, who continues to separate you from, from who you've been called to be, who continues to separate you from the design that God had for each and every one of us steps in. It's called sin. And I don't know what that sin is, but we, most of us, if not all of us, if we honest with one another, has sin in our life of some shape or form. And when that sin enters in, it separates us like it did for Adam and Eve from the design that God had. I don't know. I, I, I think that one thing, you know, I, was just, I just saw that 
a list of things that black people need to get together. Some presidential campaign piece, and there's some issues, and they want to attach. And I've been talking about this. I'm glad they said it. I think we smoke too much weed as black people. I think we smoke too much weed. And I know somebody here is smoking it. That's okay, smoke your weed. I'm done telling you something. We smoke too much weed as black people. You can't get jobs. You're scared when they bring out a, a, a test. You get a little slow. And the economy's not ours anymore. It used to be the underground economy for black people was weed. But that's slowly moving away. And then sin steps in and it leads us to brokenness. And in our brokenness, we try to find ways to, to ease the pain that sin caused. In our brokenness, we get depressed. We, we start to see things that aren't looking the right way we want to. In our brokenness, we have frailties in our life that become exposed. In our brokenness, we, we go to the computer late at night and look at porn. In our brokenness, we try to find out that, you know, I have a little sip of this cognac, but then the bottle is empty. In our brokenness, we try to find ways to alleviate the pain that sin has caused in our life. In our brokenness, we decided that, man, you know, she does look kind of good. In our brokenness, we decide that, I, you know, I'll hit this joint one more time. In our brokenness, we try to find ways to ease the pain that sin has caused. And in our brokenness, that extra slice of pizza starting to look really good to us. And our brokenness, you know, you get on the phone with your boyfriend and your girlfriend and you start talking about, you know, it starts off being a prayer call, next thing you know it's a gossip call. In our brokenness, we try to find ways to alleviate the pain that sin has caused us in our own lives. So, in the circle is, we start off with God's design and then sin steps in. And then we enter into brokenness, and these squiggly lines mean that we go try these other things that don't lead us back to God's design. We try these other things to find some way to be secure. In our brokenness, we decide that soccer is more important than church on Sunday because we think we're doing it for our kids, not realizing our kids need to be taught right now when they're young because at some point they're going to turn 18 and they're not going to listen to you like they did when they were 8. And you're going to hope that and pray that Jesus was instilled into them at 18. Let me tell you, I was buck wild at 16. I remember my first sip, it was uh, Boone's Farm. Anybody have Boone's Farm before? I have Boone's. I'm telling myself, I have Boone's Farm. I'm going to tell you something. I tell all, as many soon as I can tell y'all, because I don't want, I, you ain't never holding over me. I'm going to tell it. So, <laughs> you see my friend, they say, oh, he's a big Boone's Farm. He told us about that Boone's Farm. But my boy Eddie gave me this boom farm, and we were sitting on Sepulveda Boulevard. And I remember my first sip, and I was like, "Woo, <laughs> this is nice." Boom's farm is a wine. It's a little low budget sugar wine with very little alcohol in it. Didn't take much for me though. But that boom's farm led to forties, uh, and the, you know we used to drink Old E because that was the end thing to drink in L.A. was Old English. <laughs> Uh, 40s back in the day. Malt liquor. <laughs> malt liquor, not even beer. I don't even know what malt liquor is, but we just drink that. And then, you know, I was, and then we would get on one minute knee and we would pour it out for our homies. We used to get in a circle and drink one bottle 
and spread it around. That is just nasty. We used to do that and spread it around one bottle and get another bottle and pass it around. That was just disgusting. That was, thinking back, I don't know what was wrong with us coming up. But then, we thought that we were building strong men in our sin and our brokenness. It all started with just a simple sip of Boone's Farm, which led to the next thing, which led to the next thing, which led to the Henny, Hennessy and, and Coke, which led to tequila and, and Tijuana and trying to eat the worm, which led to, you know, being drunk, you know, drunk, like can't walk drunk. But it all started with just that one little sip on the block of Boone's Farm, what led me down a terrible road. I'm telling myself, so you don't, t you don't t I know some of your testimony too, but I'm telling myself. But then I always remember my grandmother saying some things back in the back of my head. I can remember my grandmother having me fast and pray on Tuesday. I, I can remember being on the altar tearing until you spoke in tongues. I can remember how the saints would pray for me. I can remember how Jesus came into my life and saved me from asthma. I can remember how, you know, when I should have been dead, I was still alive. I can remember all the lessons I learned in vacation Bible school. I can remember Sunday morning coming down as a little kid, bring them in bringing them in and giving offerings as a little kid. I can remember going down to children's school. I can remember the lessons that I learned as a child that stayed with me as an adult. I can remember. So when I fell to sin and became broken, I was able to repent because I learned it as a child and it didn't depart from me. You think we do Friday because we want you all to have some freedom? Yes. We do Friday because we're trying to do something to give a, a room to really reach the kids. We're trying to reach kids. We're trying to reach, we're trying to reach the young ones first so they can be lasting, you know. They, 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 I remember when he wasn't in high school. No, but not long ago. I remember you weren't even in high school. That was that long ago. I'm only known for a couple, two or three years. And now he's playing basketball in high school. It doesn't take but a minute for him to get old. I remember your daughter, when we first met your daughter, I don't even know she was walking. Maybe she was just a little step, little steps, little steps. And now she half grown. I mean, it doesn't take long. I remember when that baby was born, he was tiny. And that was just last month, it seemed like. And look how big he is now. It doesn't take long. I remember you in school. What grade are you in now? Seven. She ain't even this. She's in seventh grade. I mean, it doesn't take long. We'll blink our eyes and then they, they getting married. And you crying. And they getting married. <laughs> it don't take long. And then their first date. And you sitting there with your gun on the desk. I'm going to come on in, son. I got something to talk to you about. I got something to talk to you about. Don't mind that. I keep that there all the time. <laughs> it doesn't take long. So we, we do that because we have no signal. We do that. Yeah, yeah. We do that so that there comes brokenness. And it moves us to a place of repentance. 
repent and to believe. See, God gives us an opportunity to get things right again. But he gets at that so that all the things in Isaiah 43, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sins and remember them no more. What he's saying is, I don't even want to remember what you did because if I were to remember what you did, I may have to be the God that I was before. The God of Adam, the God of Noah, the God of Moses. But I sent my son Jesus so, so that I sent you grace so you can repent and believe. I sent you the gospel. Because I don't even want to remember what you did yesterday. This was God talking. I don't even want to put it into my mind what you did because if I did, I could revert back. But I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I got to do it because I promised that if I sent my only begotten son into the world, that I would save you from damnation. I would save you from all the corrupt things that you've done. But I'm going to send him into the world, so then I'm going to forget him. I won't hold them against you. I'm giving the season of grace in your life. So he puts it in a place to be able to repent and to believe in the gospel. Now the gospel, the gospel is Jesus. The gospel is the word of the Lord. The first four books of the New Testament are the gospels. The gospels talk about Jesus. So he sent Jesus into the world to wipe away all of our sins for all those who believe. <laughs> See, it's a circle. It's a circle of life. See, we're having a conversation here about how God restores us, and we had, from the beginning, he had a design, but he even knew that we were going to sin, and in our sin, we become broken, depressed, sad, Corrupt, liars, backbiters, cheaters, and excessive smokers of weed. <laughs> if, you move to, if you move to Colorado, it's legal until the feds come. And so, to place a repentance and to believe in the gospel. Um, I'm going to digress. I had a friend when I was in college. I had two roommates. I had a suite. So I was student body president. And they, they made a mistake and gave us a suite. And I let two of my boys take one each of the rooms. So we had a three-bedroom suite. And uh, one of them was a Rasta from Jamaica. Chris Lyon. Chris got up every morning. And he had a religious experience every morning. And throughout the day and at night, Chris smoked a whole lot of weed. It was this religious experience. He was getting closer to Jah Rasta, Hala Salase, whatever he used to say, right? And then I had another friend who had went in the military and went overseas, and he had this experience with Agent Orange. So every time that he would smoke weed, he would have reactions. He would see things, and he would flip out, and it was really a bad experience to be around him. It was a dangerous experience to be around him. So you get to see both sides of that. But what happened was, on one became very broken when they did it. 
had a very negative reaction to it. And the other one just didn't get good grades because he was just high. He enjoyed college, but he was high. And it wasn't until my man stopped realizing that he had to stop, he moved to a place where we could actually talk to him about repentance and gospel. So he changed his ways and he got back into a place that he could hear the gospel. And the gospel taught restoration. It taught forgiveness. It taught forgetfulness. Because a lot of times for us to forgive somebody, we got to forget who they are to us. It taught empowerment. It taught love everlasting. It taught, it taught all these wonderful things in the gospel, but it, it led to us to get to a place of recovery and to pursue God's design to recovery. See, every time we have a separation for God's design because of sin, we actually have to go through a sense of recovery. That's that restoration. That's that understanding in ourselves. See, quite often we want people to forgive us, but first and foremost, we got to forgive ourselves. A lot of us are walking around sad and depressed because we are upset at ourselves. We made the wrong decision. I shouldn't have went that far. I knew I shouldn't have went over there because that was going to happen. You know, I was talking to a pastor the other day, man. He said, man, I've been struggling with yoga pants all day. What are we talking about, man? I've been struggling with See, his weakness was the fact that women were wearing yoga pants, and he was seeing them. He was like, man, I need to pray because I'm struggling with yoga pants all day. It had my mind somewhere I didn't want it to be. But see, he understood. But he understood what his weakness is. Sometimes you have to be courageous to understand what your weakness is and to meet it in front of you. Meet it in front of you. Just meet it right where you are because you've got to get to a place to recover. You've got to recover. But recovery only comes quite often. Recovery only comes when you can first admit that you have a weakness. Everybody has a kryptonite. What's your kryptonite? What is your kryptonite? So we get to recovery, and to pursue God's design. Second Corinthians says this, We do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he would deliver us, and he would deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he would deliver us again. It says in verse 10, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he de will deliver us. I'm going to say it again. On him we have set our hope that, we would, we, that, we, that he would deliver us again. What they're saying here, as I come to a close, they say here is that you don't have to trust in yourself. That God's already put us in a place where he, God will deliver us. 
He will save us from our own affliction. He will move us all the way around the circle through the cycle of life, of sin to brokenness, to repentance, to the gospel, to recovery. And we pursue him back to our original place of God's design. That's the conversation. We want you to have this month with somebody's, not that one person. To talk to them to realize that God has already created a circle of life, the three circles. That we were created, one, to be like him. But then because of sin, we've fallen short of his glory. But then God, we go through this, when we sin, we go through this brokenness where we're separated from God. But then he put a plan in place that God says, here, raise them for the dead. He put a plan in place for us to repent get back to where we know Jesus to be which is the gospel and once we accept Jesus into our life Jesus into your life then you can go ahead and be restored again and be back to what God has already originally designed for you to be the three circles so this month even in today there's a plan that God has already put into place a step by step way to simply share the gospel with somebody who needs to hear from you. You be the Andrew to God's Peter this month. You be the one that changes the course of this city. No, change the course of your home, of your neighborhood, of the city, of this community as a whole called Earth. You be the Andrew that leads somebody to the Lord that person would change the world. Or you may actually be the Peter that God's been waiting for to stand up and take your rightful place because the world is dependent upon you to save their soul. Is that all right? Stand to your feet, please, if you don't mind. Woo! I'm excited about August. August is a vacation.